All right, everybody, I'd like to welcome all of you who are watching along as uh, with this edition of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame's Hall Call Interview Series. I'm Will Driscoll, the Executive Director of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame, hoping everyone continues to stay safe, stay healthy uh, as we continue to navigate the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, lost in all of the commotion over the last seven months, though, was a pretty monumental piece of legislation here in Virginia that went, effect, that went into effect earlier this summer. Beginning July 1st, sports betting became legal in the Commonwealth. I don't know how many of you knew that. It's something I've been following closely, but that is, that is the case. And while there are still some hoops to jump through, some T's to be crossed and, and some I's to be dotted, uh, the Virginia Lottery actually released the framework for regulations in mid-September, paving the way for the launch of online wagers in early 2021. That is just months away. So prior to 2018, sports gambling in the U.S. was illegal outside of Nevada, and now we are about to become just another state uh, that will legalize sports betting. Today on Hall Call, we are actually joined by Dan Stupp, lead writer for Katina Media, covering the sports betting and casino industry for PlayVirginia.com. Dan, thanks for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So Dan has previously written for The Athletic, USA Today, ESPN, and Action Network. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Dan Stupp, D-A-N-N-S-T-U-P-P. -P, and you can also follow uh, Play Virginia at play underscore Virginia. Um, obviously, if you have any questions, please feel free to chime in. We'll try to get them up uh, on the stream during this interview. But I guess first things first, let's dive right into it. Where do things stand currently as it pertains to sports gambling in Virginia? Yeah, I mean, it's starting to feel a little like uh, Christmas Eve. We're just kind of in the home stretch now. Um, the uh, Virginia Lottery uh, next week will start taking applications uh, from any sports book who's interested in, in launching in Virginia and, and getting up and running. Um, and then the uh, Virginia Lottery Executive Director, uh, Kevin Hall, has 90 days after that to uh, approve any licensees. Um, and then, uh, then they're pretty much good to go. So it's definitely looking like January in time for the NFL playoffs, which, you know, for a sports book, you can't pick a better time than that. <laughs> that you want to talk about perfect timing that is the case why now like why now is this coming to fruition in Virginia um, I know that the Supreme Court struck down the legislation in 2018 but for years it seemed like they were really sticking to their guns with just Nevada why now has it evolved into Virginia and other states yeah I think a lot of it was a concerted effort you know kind of from the industry uh, betting and, and even the leagues you know the leagues the you know, your NFLs and, and uh, Major League Baseball for so long were so against sports betting. And then I think the moment they realized it, it was inevitable um, and, and that it does lead to, to more fan engagement, you know, that people who otherwise probably wouldn't care about, you know, a, a really bad NFL game on a Thursday night, uh, you know, if they place a wager, they're, they're much more likely to tune in. So in a lot of ways, it, it is a win-win, you know, for the, the TV networks, the league operators, the sports books themselves, and then also for the sports bettors who, you know, for years, uh, if you lived outside of Nevada, uh, you were dealing probably with bookies or, or offshore sports books. Um, you know, I think everyone saw this as kind of the right time to, to make it all legal, to, to, to tax it, to make it safe. You know, the, I, I know I'm rambling a bit, but part of it too, you know, even the people who complain uh, or, or worry about, you know, uh, you know, match fixing and point shaving and, and stuff like that. You know, we, we've seen time and time again through history that a, a big legal regulated sports market, it really is the best way to root out that kind of stuff. So a long way of answering your question. I think everybody just realized now is the, the right time for it. 
The stigma has to be decreased, though, and there has to be a correlation to fantasy sports. I mean, you just mentioned, you know, Thursday night football. For some reason, Thursday night football, the matchups are always quite unspectacular, but more people are still watching because they have a tie-in through their fantasy sports team. Surely the last decade, the last two decades, has really kind of helped move that stigma away a little bit from, you know, the, the shady bookies and the offshore accounts and things like that. You're right. I think kind of DraftKings and, and FanDuel, you know, four or five, six years ago when they were really uh, kind of beating us over the head with advertisements for uh, daily fantasy sports. I, if nothing else, it, it got the regulators and, and, and even lawmakers and the leagues themselves realizing what a, a potential huge market it is, uh, that there's definitely kind of an appetite for it. Um, and I think we're starting to see just uh, general public or, or public opinion really shift in that um, you know, it, it, it's not this big evil thing that for years we made it out to be. And you're right. I think kind of the daily fantasy sports is really kind of what opened the door for that. Now, PlayVirginia.com is a, is a really good resource for anybody who wants to learn more and be kept up to date with all of the information regarding this. So it's PlayVirginia.com. Um, one of the things that I noticed in looking at that is the Virginia Lottery is going to regulate the sports gambling operators. So they're going to be the ones who receive the application licenses. They'll grant the licenses. But some of the uh, tidbits that came out of the public uh, comment period from July into August were, um, you know, it, no wagers on youth sports, which to me should be kind of an industry standard. <laughs> but more fascinating in Virginia in particular is no wagers on Virginia college games and no in-game wagers on all collegiate sports. What was the reasoning behind those decisions? I, I want to say it's to, to protect student athletes and, and to keep the games pure and, and stuff like that. But I mean, it really is, you know, I did a column on this kind of window dressing, you know, when you're trying to push through the legislation and, and getting everybody on board, um, you know, the, the athletic directors, the schools, the coaches, um, you know, I think more so than the pro leagues, they're still either uh, not so pro sports betting or, or very anti against it. And I think it's just, you know, more palatable when you take out the, the possibility of Virginia betters betting on the University of Virginia or Virginia Tech. I, again, I, I see it more as window dressing because you can still just drive over to West, West Virginia or drive into Washington, D.C., use one of their regulated sports books and bet on Virginia colleges. Um, you know, the whole point of, of doing the regulated sports betting is really to, to kind of get rid of the black market or, or or not force people who are, who are going to do this to go to the black market. Um, and, and the more restrictions you have, you know, the, the in-state colleges and universities is one. Also Olympics uh, betting, that was one that they, um, that they uh, will not be part of Virginia. They say they want to, to re-examine that issue before the Olympics next year. Uh, part of their argument was just that, you know, a lot of the Olympics uh, do have youth competitors, you know, uh, kids competing or teenagers. Um, so they want to look a little more closely at that before that. But uh, again, to go back to it, a lot of these restrictions are, are really just to kind of, you know, it, it's a middle ground where they, they feel like to, to push through the legislation uh, to get the schools on board, to, to get maybe some of the, the parents and just concerned citizens on board. It sounds like a good thing, but it's really not really fixing any problems. We have a question from Jonathan, and, and he's saying he's a little unclear about is this strictly online sports or is this will there be physical sports books? Um, and I guess I have a question that kind of goes in along with that as well. Is this tied to the casino referendums that we're seeing here in Virginia and the five municipalities? 
Right. When, when uh, the Virginia General Assembly uh, legalized gambling this year, the, the sports books and casinos were kind of hand in hand. Um, but the difference is the, the sports books can be online as soon as January, more than likely. Um, they still need to build the casinos. And, and before they can even build them, uh, the five cities that were, were set aside to, to get casinos, um, you know, they, they first have to pass referendums. Four of the five are, are doing it this year, and then one, um, Richmond, is doing it next year. Um, so, you know, the, the casinos will have sports books. Uh, a lot of them are going to have official sports book partners, you know, like we, we've seen in other places uh, where DraftKings or Bet Rivers, um, you know, they, they team up with the casinos. You know, I think ideally Virginia would have had the casinos and the sports betting launching at the same time, but it just takes a long time to build a casino. So, I think once those casinos start opening, probably in 2023, uh, the sports books are definitely going to be a part of it. The Virginia Lottery even set aside five licenses uh, for those casinos. And that's part of it, too, is, um, you know, I went to Washington, D.C. to try their only regulated sports book at the time. Um, terrible odds, terrible experience, terrible customer service. But they really have no incentive to, to get better. You know, they, they've got a monopoly. There's no competition. They, right. I mean... <laughs> the greatest racket in town. I, I can understand why people want to be bookies when they've got no competition. Um, but, you know, I, I, part of it is that the, Virginia is going to have no fewer than four sports books and up to 12 sports books. They've set aside five licenses uh, for the casinos. But I, I think, you know, from day one, we're probably going to have multiple sports books. It's going to be some of the biggest ones that are already very successful in other states. Um, so Virginia is going to have a very, very competitive market. And yeah, like you said, we're just, we're just a few months away from that. that. There's a lot wrapped up in that answer. And there's actually a lot of questions I want to ask off of that answer. But the first one is you mentioned the casinos have been set, the licenses have been set aside for the potential five casinos. But I also read on Play Virginia uh, that two NASCAR tracks, I assume that's Martinsville and Richmond. And then it also said one professional sports team. And it, it actually said a professional sports team. Is that assuming that a football team, name the football team from Maryland, based in D.C., moves itself to Virginia in a few years. I, I, it may be a bit of a long shot, but I think, you know, that's something Virginia has been aiming for for probably the past decade. I think it's just wishful thinking, maybe, that, um, but also just making sure that's one less hurdle if stuff starts to move in that direction. But I don't think it, it's, it's any secret that Virginia would love to have a, a pro football team, an NFL team. Um, and, and luring them away from Washington uh, is probably the best way to do it. But, you know, that also leaves the door open, you know, uh, the Norfolk area or, or uh, other areas, you know, there's been talk of an NBA team or, or something like that. And we, you know, the leagues can, especially in a, a post pandemic world, you know, I think we're going to see some major changes. We're already seeing it just, uh, you know, the, the seven inning double headers and, and trying to adjust. And I think uh, this year has forced a lot of the leagues to get, kind of really creative, um, you know, to make up for lost revenue and stuff. But I think it's forcing them to innovate a little more. And I think that naturally could lead to expansion. So, uh, so just just include it now, just in case it comes later. Right. Yeah. <laughs> We're I, not I breaking think, any news with that. <laughs> I, I think a lot of this is just in case, you know, but yeah, it, it would be great that uh, that's one of the funny things. We've got these play sites in, you know, Colorado and, and, and Illinois and Indiana but Virginia is one of the few without a, you know, a pro sports team. So we, we get a little more creative. And that's another reason why the ban on uh, in-state colleges kind of is a setback for Virginia. It's not like we can just shift that attention to our MLB, MLB team or NBA team or anything. So. 
Looking at, you know, you mentioned the black market and you mentioned offshore betting and, and just kind of all of the dollars that I guess technically are being illegally wagered on gambling. And depending on what blog or what news source you read, it's anywhere from 60 billion on the low end to 150 billion on the high end. And that's billion with a B. So either way, 60 versus 150, it's a lot of money. Um, you know, what are, what's the potential financial ramifications with keeping that money here in Virginia and not just Virginians, but pulling from those states around us, like you said, maybe DC doesn't have the competition. West Virginia, it's, I don't think it's legal there. So we're actually, a, it's a broader base that we can draw from to bring dollars here to Virginia. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a key why getting rolling right now, it, I mean, it, the, the competition's coming. You know, Maryland is close to passing legislation. Uh, Tennessee just approved their first sports books. Uh, West Virginia actually has some options right now, DC, um, you know, we're in an area where there, there's a lot of competition. New Jersey, you know, it, it's not super close, but we they've already per, sur, uh, surpassed uh, Nevada. And part of that is just having a, a competitive market and a fair tax rate and stuff like that. Virginia is going to have all of that. Uh, but the competition surrounding us and, and you know, uh, I think it's going to be good and bad, you know, um, you know, a, a, a healthy market's going to benefit everybody, but you know, it's a good thing Virginia didn't wait any longer than they did because uh, Tennessee and Maryland, West Virginia, DC, everybody's just nipping at the heels. And it's only a matter of time before a uh, majority of US states, probably all, almost all states will, will have legal sports betting. What does that do to, I guess, you know, you mentioned in DC with there just not being really any competition. So the odds are bad, just the service is bad. But what does this kind of influx of options now do to the odds makers? Are there enough valid odds makers out there to be reliable when you have all of these states getting involved in this? I, I think if you have a big enough market, the, the odds are going to kind of and lines are going to take care of themselves. You know, mm -hmm. betters are going to quickly kind of hammer them where they, they should be. I, I think what's really going to, you know, where we're going to see the competition isn't just so much with who offers the best odds. You know, that's one of the things with the offshore markets, if you're spending, you know, if you're paying minus 110 on a lot of games, they may offer minus 108 or minus 105, you know, they call them 16 cent lines or 10 cent lines. Um, people who have bet for a while will understand that that's a, a really nice advantage. It's a, a way to save some money. I think what we're going to see with these new markets getting underway uh, in states is just a lot of sign up offers, a lot of free bets. Um, so again, I, I don't think it'll be so much competitive lines and, and odds. I, I think you're going to see a, a ton of sign-up offers, which is what we're seeing right now in places like, you know, Colorado and Illinois, which, you know, just kind of got their markets off the ground. So at least initially, it's going to be great for players. There's going to be so many, you know, opportunities to, to get free bets and, and take advantage of these promotions, which I, I think anyone who, you know, was involved in uh, or did the daily fantasy stuff, you saw a lot of those advertisements. I kind of go way back to uh, the big poker boom in the early 2000s. I, I was mm -hmm. playing a, a lot of poker and, um, you know, they, they were beating you over the head with uh, sign up offers. So uh, if you're in the sports betting um, and, and you live in Virginia with all these sports books coming online, you're, you're going to get a lot of really attractive offers. And even if you're not into it, you're going to see a lot of these offers on TV and newspapers and everywhere. Is there data out there to show how many Virginians have placed a wager, you know, in the last year or two, whether it's, you know, legally through the, the sports books in Nevada and other places or or even data from the offshore accounts just to get an idea of how many of the eight million residents we have have actually participated? 
Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen any uh, official data. I've, you know, I'm, I'm actually doing a, a story for today or tomorrow where I talk to some uh, Virginia sports bettors, uh, very anecdotal, anecdotal uh, just about their experience and, and how they bet now. Um, the biggest takeaway was just, you know, I, I think I, I spoke to five of them and three, three and a half uh, really weren't even uh, aware that Virginia was about to have legal sports books. Um, so I think it flew big, under the radar. Yeah, <laughs> pandemic, but it definitely flew under the radar. Yeah. Um, so I think you know it, it may come up a shock here in a, a few months when people start seeing advertising and the news stories and stuff. Um, but you know, I think one thing I learned, um, you know, I put out a call just asking for people who live in Virginia, I want to talk to you and and see how you sports bet. Um, it's not just how many people do it, but a lot of people you really wouldn't expect maybe are, are big into sports betting. I, I talked to one guy and uh, he asked that I not use his name or really even uh, mention him in the story because um, I, I don't want to give away too many details, but could be one of those people that once the regulations are in place will not be allowed to bet because of his job. Um, and I think you see a lot of people who work in sports and, and media um, you know, we're around those people. We, we know there are a lot of betters out there, but you'd be surprised just how many, you know, I don't want to say the housewives and stuff, but, you know, probably people you wouldn't expect, you know, uh, uh, older, older people, you know, with disposable income, um, you know, it's just not the, the frat boys and, and college kids who, who are doing the sports betting. It, it really is a, from everything I've seen, you know, a very diverse group. So we have another question uh, from Preston. He, he wrote that one Virginia lawmaker rule is to provide bettors with, and he quotes, informed decisions about their gambling, meaning they want to include odds of winning a bet and how they are calculated. Uh, with so many prop bets and parlays, what does that look like? How are those odds calculated? Yeah, they really kind of scaled down the requirements uh, during the open comment period. I think it was a 56-day period. And 10 or 11 of the, the sports books, ones we've heard of, you know, FanDuel, DraftKings, uh, there's a local one. Uh, handle 19, I believe it's called. A lot of them weighed in on the, the proposed regulations. And one of them was that uh, they wanted uh, some really detailed information about how the odds were set where they're at and, and uh, how much money's being bet, where it just, it, it really wasn't possible in, in real time. Um, so in the final regulations, they, they really scaled that down to it's really just, you know, basic information that you would see at other places, what the odds are, what the line is, stuff like that. So um, I, I don't think we're going to see anything in Virginia that, that's too out of the norm of, that you would see with other regulated sports books in the United States or, or even the offshore books. So we've talked about D.C. doing it poorly so far. Uh, you mentioned that Illinois and Colorado have just kind of rolled out their, their plans. Who's done it right and who's done it wrong so far in, in the two years that this has now been yeah. I, I think New Jersey's done it really well. It, it's one of the reasons they, they surpassed Nevada. You know, we, we've got a, a sports betting uh, king that is not Nevada anymore, that's not Las Vegas. And I think part of that was just the competition. I think the main thing that we're going to see uh, in any state, if it's going to be successful, if it's going to quickly gain traction, is how easy it is to place a bet online. Um, and one of the places that had been doing it poorly, Illinois, uh, and there were a lot of politics involved in this decision, but uh, one of the things you had to do, if, even if you want to make an online sports bet, you had to sign up for your account at a physical casino. You had to drive to the casino. And, and during a pandemic, during COVID-19, why would you make that a, a requirement? Eventually, they got rid of that. Um, 
But again, I think some of the states were dealing with existing casinos and they want to make sure that they didn't get left behind. So maybe you have to go into the casino to sign up for an account, to fund your account. But the ones who don't have those requirements, um, for, for better or worse, you can do it right from the comfort of your couch on your, your phone, uh, places like New Jersey. Um, th those are the ones that are going to do well. Virginia is going to be that type of state. So I really think they're going to be a top five, top six market, uh, probably within their first year of operation. Is it normal for the state lottery system to be involved as the operator? It's not uncommon. Um, I think that the difference, um, you know, we didn't really have a gaming board in, in Virginia yeah. because, you know, we, we had no casinos. Or, or, um, and even the, the little legal gaming we did, the, the Rosie's uh, Emporium, or I think they call them with the historical race meet, horse racing machines, which are really just slot machines, like that operated in such a gray area. So Virginia really was starting from scratch, but they've relied heavily on Maryland uh, I think even hired some of their executives to, to help in Virginia. Um, so even though they're kind of new to this, they got the right help and they're, you know, everything we've seen during the process, they're definitely doing it the right way. How do the daily fantasy books, so FanDuel and DraftKings, how do they play into this? I, uh, thankfully, I think their business model really has shifted to uh, the sports book and even the online casinos, which is, some we don't talk a whole lot about, um, but I think will become a, more of a thing. And I believe it's New Jersey. They have uh, legal online casinos. But, um, you know, I think Daily Fantasy may still be a part of it. But I think, you know, your FanDuel's, your DraftKings, their end goal was always legalized sports betting. Um, the, the Daily Fantasy sports kind of opened the door for them and, and got them their the name recognition and, and built up the, the customer base. Um, so a lot of those people who play daily fantasy sports now that they're or once they're in a legal market like Virginia, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're targeting you with, you know, sign up offers. And, and if nothing else, just letting you know that, hey, you know, you can do your daily fantasy football. But now we also offer all this other stuff and, and they've got the robust software. They've got the, the tech teams. Um, really, it's been all turnkey for them. Every time they open a new state, they're just. You know, they're shot out of the game and, and doing big business. Yeah, they definitely have the infrastructure to, to you know, um, take care of something like that. You know, looking at looking at the future, obviously, everything's going to start online. But, you know, the goal is to eventually have the brick and mortars. Are, are we beyond the casinos, beyond the tracks, beyond the, the potential for a team that already have the licenses set aside? Are we looking at something that could be, I don't know if you've ever been to the UK, but what the UK looks like right. where William Hills and Patty Powers are like 7-Elevens for, you know, us Virginians. They're on every single corner where you can just walk in, make a bet, walk out and go about your day. Yeah, Washington, D.C. actually did that with William Hill. They, they have different type of licenses. And uh, the, the one where you can do an online sports book is a monopoly. It's called Gambit D.C. It's through the D.C. lottery. Uh, but I, I believe it's a class B license, um, but basically they can take wagers at empty ticket windows at Capital One Arena. Um, and obviously that's still a bit of a pain. You have to drive to, to the arena, you have to get out, you have to go up the window. So you would think it would be very, uh, not a popular option, but their first month of doing that, we have, again, you have to drive. You, it's not as easy as just getting on your phone and placing a bet. You have to go there, you have to do it they did almost five times the business that their official app did. And that was a result of better odds, better lines, better customer service. Um, so I think it shows that there's a market for it when there's not a better alternative. 
But I think if the online, like in Virginia, where online is just going to be such a huge part of the sports book, I don't think you necessarily need the retail outlets. I think they're going to make sense, though, like at places like the Racehorse or the the uh, the uh, Martinsville and, and Richmond, the Raceways. Um, you know, uh, some states are even playing with this concept of doing like very big sports bars with kind of a, a sports book built into it. I think we're going to figure out kind of what that market is. But honestly, I think it's all going to pale in comparison to, to just the ease and, and convenience of being able to place a bet on your phone. Where does Colonial Downs fit into all of this? I, I, honestly, I have not lived in Virginia too long. The horse racing stuff still kind of new to me. I, I think they definitely, you know, I think they're going to have a preference when it comes to getting a license. Um, I think that, like you said, the, the retail outlets, the, you know, I think that's where a place like it may make more sense where, where people are kind of hanging around all day anyway, you know, whether it's for the races or something else. Um, but, you know, I, I know Virginia is very big on kind of the, the horse history, the horse racing history, and lawmakers especially want to make sure that they don't get left behind. So I think they're going to have, you know, a place in the, in the future of Virginia sports betting. Yep. We love our horses. Secretariat born here in the great state, great commonwealth, I should say. Um, you know, one of the things that is always, you know, not to play devil's advocate, but is always a question when dealing with online transactions is data. What is being done on the data privacy side to make sure that once this gets rolled out, we're not a national news story for, you know, data information being leaked or harvested? Yeah, I mean, I guess there's no way of, of protecting against that, um, you know, given the right circumstances. But, you know, I, I know one of the good things about the companies getting like fan, I keep going back to FanDuel and DraftKings, mm -hmm. but they're kind of the giants, um, you know, through the daily fantasy and stuff, you know, I think they really did, you know, kind of, I, I don't want to say perfect, but really knew kind of how to build the, the security apparatus uh, for their, not just, you know, uh, their websites, but the apps and, and the geolocation and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, when we talk about um, uh, states like Virginia doing a, a fair tax rate, I think they're 15%. Some of the better states are, are 10% or even a little less. Um, you've got really high-end high ones like Pennsylvania where it's 36%. Um, but they're still a very successful market. It's just the more money that you're taxing these companies, the less that they're putting back into their technology. And a lot of that is, you know, the, the live betting, um, you know, just creating things that aren't clunky. But a lot of that's the security and privacy and stuff too. So I, I think, you know, um, you know, they're probably just as safe as your mobile banking. It's that type of security. So. Uh, again, you know, we, we've seen those big banks, you know, have security breaches, but I think, uh, again, that's another benefit of a regulated legal market is some, you know, security privacy does become a, a big concern and, a, you know, something that the regulators are really focused on. So as we sit here, October 6th, um, what should people interested in this, what should be, what should they be looking for as far as the next steps? What is the next thing in line as far as we get towards the beginning of 2021? Yeah, in about a, a week, uh, the Virginia Lottery will start taking applications. Um, and there's, a, a, I believe, a 16-day, two-week window in there um, for all these operators to, to get their applications. And, and, and obviously, that's a very detailed process. But as we already saw during the, the, um, open, or the public uh, period or where they could weigh in on the regulations, uh, all the leagues, all the sports books are already deep into Virginia and understanding mm -hmm. the regulations and understand what's in there. So 
I don't think there's going to be, you know, kind of any slowdown or anything during this two-week window where they can get their applications in. Uh, and then the lottery has 90 days um, to kind of render a verdict to tell them whether they're getting a license or not. And it sounds like the lottery is champing at the bit too to, to get this done. So I think by the end of the month, we may know uh, who has submitted applications and, and probably, you know, very soon after that, within the next, um, you know, month or two, we're going to know which casinos are, or which sportsbooks are going to start launching. Um, and again, it'll probably be early January. Um, so yeah, it's a very accelerated process and it, it's going to get really fun here over the next month or two when we learn uh, not only who's launching sports books, but how many of them, and then starting to see their initial promotional push. What's a, a solid number for solid competition so that it's not oversaturated? You don't want it to be too little, but you don't want it to be too grand. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, part of that, you want it to be successful for the operators, for the sports books too. You don't want to have a bunch of them. And then, you know, the majority of them, you know, go out of business or, or just determine that Virginia is not a, a viable market. I, I think, you know, four or five is kind of the sweet spot where you get good competition and in a healthy market. And the fact that Virginia, uh, you know, set it up so there will be no fewer than four. I, I think that sets us up uh, right off the bat. Um, I don't think we're going to see that, that uh, 12, that maximum number right away, because they are setting them aside for casinos or, or for possible uh, professional sports teams. But the fact that we're going to start with at least four, uh, I think that means we're going to have a very healthy market right off the bat. Definitely exciting times. Uh, this is, uh, I guess you really could kind of co coin this a new era in Virginia sports. Um, Dan, it's been a pleasure catching up with you and learning more about this. I know that we'll be following along. Uh, I know that you'll be keeping us up to date on playvirginia.com. So uh, we really uh, thank you for taking the time out today. No problem. I appreciate the invite. This is always a fun conversation. As always, be sure uh, to follow us on social media, VA Sports HOF, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can follow Dan on Twitter at Dan Stupp, D-A-N-N-S-T-U-P-P, -P, two N's, two P's, and Play Virginia at Play underscore Virginia. Um, I'd like to thank everyone who tuned in. Thank you for your questions. And as always, thanks to our sponsors, the City of Virginia Beach, Priority Automotive, Optima Health, DAVCON, uh, and the Hampton Roads Sports Commission. Uh, be sure to follow us again on all of our platforms. Check us out on our website. Uh, once again, I'm Will Driscoll uh, with the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame, and I hope everybody continues to stay safe, healthy, and starting in 2021, you might have a new way to watch sports in Virginia. <laughs>